to Mbappé! What a great day it's been for him! So you want this confidence oozing through his veins. Yeah, tap it with the football tap. It's the number one podcast. Yeah. With a football at, tap in with the football tap. Yeah. Tap in with the football tap. Guru. Tap in with the football tap, like a spinal, or it could get messy like Lionel. Them other podcasts throw back like a vinyl. The guru, he the goat, so it really ain't no rivals. Podcasts about passion, barely dollars. My favorite, Ronaldo, Jamal Musala. Football tap, it should be on your radar. Come and kick it with us, like Neymar, Sadio Mane, or Erling Haaland. Either way, the football tap, prime time. Yeah, now take that to the bank with you. The guru, he don't talk, he just paint. Vividly, so come and see what he's saying. Highlights and more, you never get bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never get bored. Football tap, the number one source. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Yeah, yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Guru, football tap. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. Yeah. With the football tap, come and chill with the groove, cuz football back, yeah. Hello, and welcome to the football tap this evening. Um, I'm Ryan, joined as always by Elliot. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, I. Before we get into things, you know, I always like to start off with something that I find intriguing. And, man, this Bologna team really intrigues me this year. Yeah, they're going to be a problem for quite a few teams. Um, I, again, long season is pretty close with pretty much everyone in that position. But I think that they are going to – if it ended to – I mean – if I was going to predict it today, which is probably not a, the best because there's a long season, but of the teams fighting for the Champions League, the last spot, I think they have the best chance of the teams in that area. Now, that could change in a matter of weeks and months, but right now I, I think that they're, they should feel very comfortable with – not comfortable, but they, they, I think they should feel good about their, their position. And, um, yeah, they're, they're good. They can play poorly and still win. Um, today, I, both teams played poorly, but they found, you know, they found a way to win. And they did that against us. They'll do it against the other teams, too. They can find ways to win games. And that's what the, the, the old Juve teams, that's, how, that's, that's always what they did is they played poorly. But when they played poorly, they could win games, and they've done that today. And I think at their best, they're very, very, very good. And uh, I think Tiago Mota is not getting enough credit. Everybody's talking about with Xavi Alonso is doing at Leverkusen, and it's been very impressive. It's kind of overshadowing what um, he's doing with Bologna because he's been – he's that – other than Alonso, been the one of the best young managers in, that we got right now. Yeah, uh, so how did this happen? So, I mean, this team for the past – how many years was just nothing? I mean, they were a Serie A team that would be – never in trouble getting relegated, but, you know – that 15 to 12 range. So what happened? Yeah, they're, they're around 12, 13, 12. 
Is that one year where they started in 18th and they 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 climbed up to to 10th, I think. Yeah. Um, and then you know, obviously, uh, Mihailovic, God rest his soul, um, took that team to, to from eight whatever it was, 18th to to um, to 10th because I think before that they had Nzagi's brother and he couldn't really handle it. Um, and obviously they stuck around. They had the talent of a team that should be finishing eighth, but they were kind of moping around 12th, 13th, 14th, and they were you know 15 points behind where they should be. And um, I just think when uh, Tiago Mota came in last year, he he ma- made it work with what he had, and then January hit, and he wasn't buying for this season. He was buying long term uh, deals. They've gotten rid of players, and they brought in players that have worked. Um, obviously, they had Arnautovic, who's at Inter now. But the years, last year and the year before, his performances at Bologna helped them kind of start to ascend. They had Musa Barro, who's gone now. They had Nicholas Dominguez, who's gone now. Really key players for those last couple of teams. And he just took it in a different direction. He allowed those three players to go on. And uh, I think uh, uh, Dominguez is in England. Uh, Nardovich is at Inter, and I think um, uh, Bar is in Saudi Arabia. Um, so, yeah, Musabar would have retired like a jackass at 25 yeah. years old. Dumb. Um, but but. From, from, he rebounded off that. You see guys like um, um, Louis, Fergus, Louis Ferguson, who's a, I think he's from Scotland, who under Amota really started to, to put – put together some really good performances. You see um, what the way they play is more compact. It's less risk takey, but they have now he got the materials to be able to be very aggressive as well with uh, mostly, not mostly, but a good portion of it is because of Joshua Azerki, who used to play for Bayern Munich. Then he went to Parma for like four games. Then he went to Anderlet, scored like 18 goals. Then came in last year, scored a couple goals. He's kind of the, the one who pushes the pace, but they have they have quality players pretty much across the board. Um, and he, he hasn't spent a ton of money on any of his signings, but last January he brought in four or five different players on cheap deals, and now he's molding them into, you know, difference makers and stars in this team. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, he's not going out and getting players from top leagues a lot of the time. The guy, the guy who scored the first goal today, uh, he signed from uh, Demon Moscow. So he's he's been able to maximize uh, places where a lot of, of the other teams aren't looking and getting the, the, the best possible players from those places. And they, they put them together. They lost a lot of pieces. And he's been able to manage it um, very, uh, very well. And I think that as a team, they're one that you can look to in the future and say, in a couple of years, they could be a Champions League team regular, or they could be a team that occasionally get into a title race. That's if they, he stays there, and if he's given more money with the possibility of qualifying for, you know, European competitions and stuff like that. Because a lot of people don't know they have nine league titles. Now they won those long, long ago. But yeah. For a team with the trophy cabinet that they have. I think as long as, you know, as they continue to develop this team, they're going to get closer and closer to getting more respect in Italy. And uh, 
fulfilling their potential because Mihailovic kept them in the league, but he wasn't really maximizing the potential of the team. And with Mota, who's a young guy who has has a, a good position here and should stay, there's going to be teams that are going to try to hire him in the summer. But I think for this team, I think if he stays and they continue to do what they've done, they're going to continue to to shoot up, kind of like Fiorentina has under um, uh, Vincenzo Italiano. Sure. Um, here's the question. Uh, and I love these stories. Like, I love Union getting in the Champions League. I think that's a great story. If Bologna get in, could you not just see where all the clubs come and snatch their best players and then they're right back down to Tampa next year? Uh, it's possible. Um, but with the manager that they have, I think they'll be able to adapt to that and, and figure things out. Um, because we've seen that with Fiorentina last year. They made the – I mean, it's not Champions League, but, but they made it to Europe. They went they met, met, went at the conference final. Uh, they didn't win. but And none of their players really – I mean, they didn't really lose any key players other than Amrabat, and that's the only one they really lost, and they were able to, to maximize with, with more intelligent deals. And I think Bologna can do the same thing. Now, Jossa Zerki is one that I would be concerned about leave, uh, losing. Um, because, I mean, he's he's outkicked his coverage, um, and I think now he's probably a – again, it's only going to go up. But at this point, he's, a, I think, 30, 35 player. Um, in Italy, they don't te- tend to do what they do in England and ask for obscene amounts. So maybe you could get him for under that. But I think that's really the – that's the one piece that they could – that maybe a bigger club comes in and takes. But – I mean, I think a lot of the other pieces, I think um, they could adapt to it. And I think uh, Ferguson's probably in that class, but I think he's in a good space now because not a lot of people know who he is. But in Italy, he's only going to continue to gauge traction. So those are the only two I could really see that a big team comes up and takes them. But again, if, if they have this, if they keep the same philosophy of that, I think they'll be fine and they'll be able to continue to be successful. The difference between them and like Union Berlin is Union Berlin's team that made the Champions League last year wasn't very talented. It was like this – it was almost Leicester-like. All their victories were grit, determination, and just fighting for every match. So that's why they made the Champions League last year, where Bologna, for example, they're, they've always been a talented team, and now they have the right guy leading the team. So I think they'll be fine. They won't dissipate the way Union has, and – Obviously, Union doing a little better now, but still, I think the fact that they didn't have a very talented squad last year is, it, it, I mean, them making it was aside the fact that they weren't talented. It was just this determination factor where Bologna has the talent and the pieces together for them to continue to do this. But again, you lose some of those big pieces, it's going to be difficult, but I think they're capable of, of handling it if the manager stays there. Now, if he gets poached, then uh, it's back to what they were before. Which that's what I was going to ask you. I, I, I think Mata could easily get poached. Um, you know, PSG isn't having the best season again. Um, you think, I, well, actually, I don't even, that's not even a question. I think that would absolutely intrigue him with the amount of resources they have there. Um, I think he's staying in So if he gets poached, it will be on a Roma. Inter probably isn't going to get rid of Inzag because they're, they're as long as Lataro does what Lataro does. But, but into You really Roma, think he'd go to AC Milan and I think, betray Inter? Um, 
I don't know. I think different rules apply to managers and players. As a player, he wouldn't do it. But it's it's a very intriguing prospect. So I, I don't think he'd be against doing it totally. Because, I mean, Conte went to Juve, then he went to Inter. So, you know, I, I think managers tend to do it. Um, so I think it's a possibility. I don't see him going to PSG, which, again, it, it's intriguing to an extent. Um, because he played there and he coached the uh, the youth team there, but I don't think the league is going to be enticing enough to grab him. I'm thinking but, it. Like, the, uh, my whole argument with PSG, uh, yeah, my opinion. You want to know my opinion? Why they always get top managers? Go ahead. It's because the intrigue of trying to win the Champions League there, something that hasn't been done. That's the only trophy that club hasn't won, and they always seem to have the best players, but always seem to slip up. So yeah. I think, like, the challenge of doing that, because remember, Mata played there when they had, I think he played there of Neymar, not Mbappe, but he definitely played there of Neymar. Definitely played there of Zlatan. And Cavani, and he was, I think he was on that team. Cavani, uh, sorry, Cavani. Um, um, yeah, Cavani. And, 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 uh, and he never won the Champions League at the, as a player. So that's what I mean. I could see him being very intrigued to go there and try to win that. I He might have actually with Inter. I think he might, I don't know. I'm Maybe talking with Paris now. Oh, like okay. he was no. never able to accomplish that in Paris, so I, I, I would, I, I could just see him being intrigued. Yeah, I guess there's a certain level of intriguing, but if that's on the table and AC Milan is on the table, or something like that, I think, I don't know. He played, he played in Italy a while, and, and obviously he went to Paris afterwards. But, but the fact that he, uh, he has an affinity towards the, um, the league, I think he's more likely to stay. Um, but that said, I understand why it's, PSG would intrigue him, but I think it's more likely a possibility that they will end up, um, he'll end up going to a, a not necessarily someone that finishes higher in the league, but a bigger club, at least in the way that the Serie A is, is viewed. So like, I know, I don't know what's going to happen with Zizagi because if he keeps, if he wins the league or whatever, but, but Inter, Inter, AC Milan. Roma, I don't Atlanta. I don't think he'd do because I think Bologna and Atlanta are too similar. Um, but uh, a Juve, if that opens up, I think would be intriguing for him too. So we'll see. But I do think that there's a possibility he'd go Paris. But I think w- if he has offers on the table from Italy, good offers from Italy, and one from Paris, I think he would he would sway towards the Italian uh, teams. But you know, I, I totally get what you're saying and. And it does make sense, uh, but it also is a it's also a trap job because if you have a good reputation, you go there and don't succeed. Getting another big job after that is going to be difficult. Um, from the majority of managers who have gone there, and I know Tuchel's gone to Chelsea and and um, uh, Bayern, but he did get them to a Champions League final. Emery went from PSG to Arsenal, which is a fair exchange then went to Villarreal, Aston Villa. So I think sometimes there's going to be a difficulty if you fail at, in Paris to go in, and get another job at that uh, level. So I think that's something that he would think about as well. Sure. All right. Um, Emma Hayes, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's brilliant. Um, I don't know if you've seen the video of her uh, um, her talking to Chelsea. Um this uh, swirling around 
but there's a, there's basically a video of her doing a Chelsea team talk, basically saying, um, you know, this is this isn't good enough. You guys were shit last, uh, you know, this game, and she was ripping into them. And then there's this line where she's like, "This is fucking Chelsea," and basically telling them, telling the team to to figure it out because, or else I'll get someone else in. Now, that's the type of personality you would need for the U.S. women's team. There will be players on the national team that will want to quit after one week of um, of her being uh, there. Once, once the she becomes uh, officially the, the manager there, and I think that's a good thing. Let the weeds kind of eviscerate, get the players that are tough enough mentally and physically, you know, even emotionally to be able to handle being coached by someone at that level. Um, She hasn't done the national team thing yet, but she has won everywhere she's gone. Um, Six Premier League titles with Chelsea, um, five FA Cups, two League Cups, Women's Community Shield, um, with the uh, FIFA Coach of the Year in t- 2021, she's won 70% of her games at Chelsea. Went to a Champions League final. She had she had a few stints in the U.S., but she's a winner. And I believe, in my estimation, now people may think differently. I think on the women's side, she is the best coach in the world, and I don't think is even close. Um, so what you're getting with Anna Hayes, number one, is the best coach on the planet. Number two, someone that's won everywhere. And number three, hopefully, they're going to understand what Emma expects from the team. And what she expects is being able to perform on the highest level against the best. And as we know, and I've talked about this a hundred times, the best is not the WSL. You're not going to find the best in that league. Hopefully, this is one of the things I hope for uh, coming from this is that now, primarily a few people in mind, I think everyone should go to Europe if they can. Not everyone has to, but, but there should be a good portion of the team uh, that are playing their professional um, football in, in a, at least in a top-level league, um, with all due respect to the WSL. Maybe it's competitive, more competitive in some ways, but they're not put, you're not going to be put yourself against the best players in the world like you will in, in – um, the European leagues. Now we could see the introduction of more players, of course, and obviously the kid, the girl at uh, Lyon uh, uh, who missed the World Cup will be a good asset to have along with Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman. But those two, particularly Rodman and um, Smith, need cannot be playing in the dub in, in the U.S. a year from now because they're not going to maximize what they can be. And on top of that, they. Um, they're not going to be tested the way they need to be tested outside of now going to up against a manager or working for a manager that is a very dominant and aggressive type of personality. Um, so I hope that there's more players going to Europe and testing themselves. And again, like I said before, I don't care if it's Sweden, but just at a European team that can be competing in the Champions League and, and so on and so forth. In the long run, I do think she's, it's going to work. The team, the players that are not mentally strong enough to handle her, will be able to, um, will go away. And I think there will be new players that come in, and the, the players that they, that are going to be the key parts of that. The hope is they go Europe, and this team will become much stronger. Now, I don't think they're the best team in the world. I think there's a few more teams that are still better than, and I think it's going to take a little time for her to really 
upgrade that squad in the way she needs to, but this is the best possible um, solution of all of this. And with all due respect, the players that would have been the biggest problems for her no longer are on the national team. There are three or four um, players that have a personality that would have sucked the energy out of the room. And, she, and so the fact that she's getting kind of a brand new team, not a brand new team, but a team that's going to be for the future and uh, players from, you know, the last couple of world cups won't, won't be a part of it in the same way. And I think this is the best possible thing for the U S and I think it's going to be successful, but I also think it's going to be mentally um, exhausting for some of the players to now be coached by someone that expects excellence, uh, which is something that most of them are not used to on a, at least regularly. Uh, do you think all the political nonsense will stop too? Um, let's see. Who, who's on the team that still would probably do that? Probably Alex Morgan. But I think Alex Morgan's national team career is going to be close to is, – is on the back end. Um, who else would do that? Um, the goalkeeper, probably, that missed the uh, – that saved the penalty that went in the back of the net. <laughs> um, probably is someone that would be involved in that. Um I think that's probably it. I mean, there's probably a few others, but I think the mo- the most of the toxic individuals are not there anymore. So the hopefully, and I, I to be honest, I don't think Emma would allow it. Um, I don't know what her stance is on the political issue that co- often comes up, but considering the career she's had, I would be, I would be surprised if she wasn't opposed to what's being spread. This is this is a woman that is the best in the world, and she has an expectation to win. It's winning over all else. She's not going to tolerate certain distractions or media outlets talking about something that's not have to do with the pitch. She cares about what happened on the pitch. She's the leader. She, she sets the tone. And even if that stuff comes up, I think it will be eliminated very quickly. And if someone, if an individual continues to push it, I think the minutes of that player will go down. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I know what she is as a personality. And personalities like that don't participate in political nonsense, regardless of where she stands on the issue. So I think it will stop. I hope it will stop because it needs to stop just because they need, they need to, to focus on winning. And to do that, they have to kind of get rid of all the stuff that's kind of always coming up with this. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm kind of over it. I mean, it, it, there's a reason that – I think more Americans were happy that the U.S. woman lost in the World Cup than were sad about it. Yes. I, 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 that should be that should be very telling, don't you agree? They're the most disliked sports team in in American history, um, and not just this one, the previous one too. And again, part of it is that, but part of it is the we're better than you. You don't deserve to be on the same field as them, and not in a way that we're a, we have a better team. We're just better. We're superior beings. That's the way they treated opponents for the last World Cup. This World Cup, they couldn't do that because, I don't know, 89th ranked Portugal got a goalless draw when Jessica Silva was given giving, you know, the majority of the U.S. teams admirisms because they could not track her. They could not catch her. She was running through them like they were not former champions. That was like that was her like I think Jessica Silva's second 
World Cup game of her career. And she absolutely went to town on all, everyone. And so that you can't really say, okay, we are superior now. When someone in their, in their second game of the World Cup just absolutely torched the entire team. <laughs> so yeah. they, they were in the weird space where they can't have that attitude that, that, that they had previously. And I think, again, there's a way where this team can become likable again. And I don't think it's, it's that far-fetched. Now, there's always going to be people who have some kind of issue with the, the, the national team. But I think with the coach and with what she's going to bring to the table, I think it's very possible that this team could become likable again. But again, if that's going to happen, the, the, what, what the focus will have to be, the pitch. We, we, we win or lose. If we lose, we take accountability. If we win, we celebrate. But, but understand that the, they're on a mission that's not ending after one game. So I hope it ends, and I think it will eventually, but because of how many people are against them, it's going to take some time for them to earn respect back because a lot of people lost respect for them in the last uh, two years, and it kind of, it's going to hard to build that back to what it was, but they can become sl- more likable slowly. Um, and I think Emma Hayes being there is a big part of that because she's likable and people have a lot of respect for her. So I think that's part of Another reason why I'm, I'm happy that she's she was the choice, and it wasn't a cheap choice. She was expensive <laughs> to get, but I think all, all in all, it's going to be worth the price a uh, hundred times over. Yeah, um, very good. Yeah, and it was a chance. And I love the contract too, and I I love that we took her away from England. Yeah, I mean, England wasn't really going to be a big option for her though because Sarah Wigman, who's probably number two best coach in the world is there um, and the best national team coach, probably. Um, she's, I mean, she's been to two world cup finals. Um, she's won the Euros. I think it's, I think her job is more or less secured. Um, so fortunately that was a vacant, that wasn't a vacant or a possibility. So we were going to be able to poach her. And again, all the other teams probably at the, at the peak of the best teams in the world have, have coaches, that are strong. So I think we benefited from this greatly, but I'll take it all day. Um, so you got the Europa League and the Champions League draw tomorrow. Yep. Um, anybody you don't want to face? Um, of the possible options, um, Galatasaray is probably not one that I'm that I would be very interested in. Um, I believe, and again, this is off the top of my head, I remember the opponents. I could be wrong about this, but two. I know some of these are right. I, I just trying to think, but our possible opponents, I believe, are Galatasaray, Lens, Benfica, Shakhtar Donetsk, and. Um, I think I'm missing uh, young boys, and I think there's one more. Um, I think we can beat all of the teams, but I'm not. I don't want to go to Galatasaray away. That's what I'm worried about. And they have a guy who used to play for Inter called Mario Cardi, who has scored his fair goals against Roma. He knows Mourinho. He knows Roma. He knows the league. He knows a lot of the players. 
So that is a mismatch I'm not looking forward to. Um, but other than them, I don't think Benfica is very good. I just don't. Di Maria is a threat, but he's their best player and he's 34 years old, 35 years old, whatever, however it is. The rest of the teams I'm not too worried about. It's mostly Galatasaray. Galatasaray would be the worst possible scenario. But that said, I think we can beat any of the, the six teams that uh, we are possibly going to play against just because I think we're better than most of those teams. And Mourinho kind of lives for knockout football and he'll have the team prepared. And by that point, Dybala will be back and Lukaku obviously will continue. And Abraham may be able to return before, before that, which will give us another option as well. So I'm fairly confident, but Galatasaray away is not something I'm looking forward to if that were to, to be the team of choice. All right. Um, very good. Well, what do you think um, of Liverpool? Do you think they're going to actually take this competition seriously in the knockout stage? Or do you think Klopp's going to wait? I mean, around third year, do you think Klopp will wait to see if they make it to the quarterfinals? before he actually starts taking the Europa League seriously? I think they'll sleepwalk through uh, the first two rounds, or the first round. I, I, maybe they don't take it super seriously, but I don't think they, they're going to sleep on it either. Um, just because they, uh, they're not going to, I mean, the fact is they're not going to be in this competition again probably for a little while. Um, so they want to win it. And the last time they were in here, they, they made it to the final and lost. Um, but I, I think they should be one of the favorites to go and win it, um, and all that. But, um, I think they should take it seriously because I know they're going to in a Premier League title race and all that stuff, but, but I still think that they should be taken seriously because if Klopp is, obviously he's, he's amazing. He's a great manager, historically great for the Premier League and all that stuff. But if Klopp is, has leveled himself above some of the other big names manager-wise, then his team should be good enough to handle both. You know, you look at uh, some of the other teams with elite managers over the the last couple of years, and those top-level managers can handle both. Um, So if, if he is what everyone believes he is, he should be able to handle both. He should take both seriously. They have the money. They've spent well. I mean, they spent okay. They spent well on some players. They spent horribly on others. But they have enough strength. They have enough depth on 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 both fronts to be able to continue to push in the Premier League and um, you know handle themselves in the in the, in the Europa League. But I, do I? Th- I do think that they they will not take it really seriously at the beginning. Um, uh, but I, I do think that they're capable of it, and they should take both seriously. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say what they'll do. Uh, but I do think they'll they're they're definitely the, one of the favorites to win it for sure. Yeah, I would. It's I, mean, I I I hate the disrespect the Europa League gets. Yeah, I don't like it either. I mean, I'm sorry. It's it's a ma- massive trophy. It yeah. is. Yeah, it's another collection for Klopp's trophy case too. Yeah, and guess what? If you look at Europa League finals recently and Champions League final recently, which ones have been better? It's been the Europa League final. All well, of the like Europa the League final. Five Champions League finals have been one nothing. Yeah, 
since the old the last good I remember was twenty eighteen when Real beat Liverpool three to one. And that wasn't that good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um oh three one, yeah, 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 yeah. That that was a pretty good it because of the individual moment. But the last really good one was um uh, maybe Bayern Chelsea. No, the last really good one was the oh the one where Real, I think it was like 2016, where they tied it up in like the 95th minute against oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. That, so uh, We have the Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid one. We have the Bayern, um, what was it? Bayern and, and Chelsea one. Yeah. And even though it was one nil, uh, the PSG Bayern one was better than the last several combined. Yeah. And that's that was a one goal game, but it wasn't a. It was an exciting one goal game because of. Obviously, the goal coming in the second half. You had Mbappe missing those two chances. You had Neymar uh, hitting the bar. We had uh, Lemondowski almost scoring right before half. So it was more intriguing than the majority of the Champions League finals we've seen recently. But I think the best ones we have as of recently is the is the the Real Madrid, uh, the Atletico one, um, and then obviously uh, the Chelsea Bayern one, and then actually uh, Barcelona Juventus wasn't too bad either. And uh, Juventus, Juve and and Real Madrid was pretty good too. But I think Juve and and Barcelona was was better than that one. Oh, very good. Yeah. So you said you'd give a little preview of your your beloved Romania for the Euros. How do you think – what's your expectation? My expectation going into the group was – before the group was drawn out was win a game. That was my expectation. Then the group came out, and my just my expectation is now adjusted. We should get out of the group. Belgium, again, we, we know what Lukaku is capable of in Belgium, but his biggest um, the the player that has given him the most trouble this year is a center back at Genoa, recently linked to Spurs, Napoli, and others. Um, his worst game of the season was against him. In that game, he'll, they'll have to face each other head-on. So there's a possibility that uh, Belgium could um, – uh, we could beat Belgium or get a draw, or – I mean, but they, they could also beat us. Then we have um, Slovenia, I, I believe it's Slo- – or Slovakia. I forgot which one. But that's a uh, that's a winnable uh, – I think we'll win that game. Um, and then the third team is either Israel we've, – we, we've, we've beaten them twice. The Ukraine – um, well, I'm not, I'm not really worried about, um, and then Bosnia, I mean, Jekko is 36 and Bosnia does have some good players, but I, I feel comfortable with, with that. And that I think maybe I forgot the last team was, I think it's, it might be Wales or Iceland. I forgot which one. So among the group that we have right now, I think that, uh, we can finish second. I think we'll beat Slovakia. I forgot which one it is, but but Slovakia. I think we'll beat Slovakia, and I think we'll. uh, I think we have a good chance against whoever the third team is. Um, Belgium, Romania is going to be the one. I think the the main, the one that will set the tone because I think that's the first game. If we can get a draw against Belgium, I think you know we're we're more than capable of it. Um, Now we don't have the perfect team. We defend well. We're a good goalkeeper. Um, we have enough explosive players to score. We're not going to beat a team by by scoring. Uh, like, we're not winning a five-goal thriller. That's not going to happen. Now, we beat Switzerland twice. 
but Switzerland's a lot worse than any of us really thought. Um, but uh, we've, but we are we're a team that's going to win games, low scoring. We have Haji, who's obviously going to be a big time for us. Um, I think in attack, uh, we have a few young players that that probably make the squad that that can help with that. Dennis Mann is is somebody that can be explosive, um, and then um, there's, a, there's a few. Uh, uh, um, uh, Dennis uh, Dragos, who plays in Turkey, is someone who, who I think is very, very good. So we have a few different players that can make a difference in attack. I'm midfield uncomfortable and defense uncomfortable. Um, it just depends if we can score, if we get in a tight game against a good side um, and we'll need to score multiple goals. I think that is the one concern I would have going into it. That's why I think the coach should take a risk um, in terms of um, picking the squad. There is a um, there is a fullback that plays for um, a Slavic Prague, I, I believe, um, who's twenty one. Um, he's he is a defender, obviously, but he's very explosive going forward. I think he hasn't made an appearance on the national team yet. That's someone I consider because of it, and. Um, and so on. I haven't really looked at it that deeply. I have a list of like 28 players that that needs to be cut down to 23 of who should be on the radar being picked. Um, but the attack is probably the one thing that I'm a little worried about. Um, and and uh, as far as team selection and how many attackers we bring, um, because there's you can only take a certain number of players at each position. And I think the, the team selection will give us a bigger idea. But I do feel fairly comfortable with the fact that I think we can get through the group. Now, if we get through the group in the round of 16, unless we win the group or end up with a, a team that is, that's also an underdog, I think it likely ends there. Um, but if we get a team that's on our level, I think it would be a great chance for us to, to push forward. And, again, out of a group is, is celebration. Winning a game is celebration. So, um but I, I feel this team is better than 2016. So I feel more confident now than I felt then. The plan then was just, you know, sort of defend for, for your life and get points. Yeah. We have we have guys who can who can score goals. Now, we're not going to score for a game. Um, I think against, uh, you know, against one of these teams, we'll probably win like a 2-1. But we're not going to be able to score on, on sort of a, a hinge. Like Belgium is capable again. Belgium's not that good, but they're capable of scoring in big numbers. So that's the, the I think that's the kryptonite for them is not they can't they're not going to be able to win games where you know like it's a three two game. We're not going to win a game where it, it's going to be relied heavily on attack. But you know I I think I think we'll we'll do well, and I'm you know happy to be here. It's been a long time, and I think it's kind of cool that um, obviously Gorgi Haji is the greatest remaining player ever. Uh, icon for the country by itself. Made a, made a World Cup uh, semifinal. Made a, a, a Euro uh, a semi, a quarterfinal. Did, came out of a group that had Germany, Portugal, and England in it. Beat England. Um, and uh, he's obviously the greatest we've ever had. Um, one of, I'd say, thirty top 30 player all time. And I think it's kind of cool that when we beat Israel in our uh, second to last game, it was his son that scored the goal that put us through. I think that's a cool moment. It's going to be a cool moment for him. 
being able to wear the, the, the jersey that his dad won when he was um, at, at a tournament. Uh, but I, I feel I feel good about it. But I think we'll I'll I'll have a better picture of it once I we know what the last team is. But I think the group was very kind to us because it could have we could have gotten in the Italy group, and that would have been uh, that would have been a little difficult to see a way out of it. Hey, uh, what do you think about Russia not being allowed to uh, qualify for their third straight tournament? I don't agree with it. Uh, again, I don't agree with the dictators' decisions to do things and to start a war and all these other things. And I don't, I don't agree with the fighting. I don't agree with the people dying. So I, I get why they did it initially. Um, but I, but I, I think that they should let them compete. We're we're missing out on good players. The Russians got some really good players. They can't be can't be uh, at tournaments. Um, I think again, not everyone in Russia agrees with what their um, what the president or prime minister is doing. I don't think Russian athletes should be punished by uh, UEFA for something that's not in their control. I think that the Russian tennis players should be able to have their flag on the scoreboard at the, at Wimbledon. I think the Footballers should be able to um, to compete. Now, maybe you make some rule about maybe they're not allowed to to wear the flag around them or do anything that's like um, I don't know patriotism for Russia because of the situation is very um, is very severe with what's happening over there. But I think they should be allowed to play. But that's just me. I understand why people don't, but. Um, I just don't believe that every single Russian person is like, yeah, let's go to war. I'm pretty sure that's- the crazy thing is, too, you know, they talk about all this human rights, not to get political, but North Korea, Iran, you know, Afghanistan, all those countries have an opportunity to qualify for any tournament. The World Cup, the CONCACAF, um, let's yeah. see. What's that one country? Um, Uganda, who have come out and said that they will sentence gay people to death if they're caught. They're giving them the opportunity to qualify for the World Cup. So it, it just confuses me that, like, it, it literally feels like with all the other stuff going on in the world, it really just feels like they're just picking on Russia. And I, I mean, think the war in Russia is horrific, but if you're going to take that stance, you need to start banning, like, like um, you need to start banning Uganda. You need to start banning, banning North Korea. You need to start you could- banning... Afghanistan. Well, you can make an argument that every team, every country has a reason to be banned. Yeah. So it's a reason to be banned because we overturned the abortion rule. I mean, every country yeah. in the world has a reason to be banned. Yeah. So you make that rule for everyone or you make that rule for no. Now, initially, because of the war and all the stuff that was, all the chaos that was ensuing at the time, you can say, okay, no Euros 20, uh, 2022. But you, we will, no will be allowed to. Re- yeah, whatever. Or sorry, World Cup. Right. Let's. But okay. After after this stage is over, we'll let you back in. Maybe they make stipulations about what they're allowed to do, but they should be able to compete. In every in any tournament, uh, Alexander Glovin, who plays for Monaco, would have a chance to make team of the tournament. There's not a tournament that he would he could participate in 
if he's at his best, that he didn't, he wouldn't at least have the possibility of being in the best 11 because he's that good. So now it's not, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's not, uh, you know, a guarantee and obviously, but he's, a, he's a top player. He's not the top, top player, but he's a player that can have a great tournament. I mean, we remember, uh, Mikkel Damsgaard for, uh, Denmark. He yeah. wasn't a huge name going into the tournament, but he was probably the best player at the Euros. Um, so I think the guy has a, would have an opportunity to be one of the best standouts at the World Cup and at the Euros and so on and so forth. And you're robbing him of that. And I don't know. Part of me thinks if, if he was starting in central midfield for, um, uh, for like Manchester City, there'd be more pushback on, on this issue just because he's not in the, you know, the top echelons. But he's one of the best. He can be one of the best midfielders at a tournament. And I think robbing him of another tournament, I think, isn't fair because he may not agree with what Putin's doing. And most of the, the, the team couldn't – maybe there's somebody that agrees with it, but maybe there's lots that don't. So I think it's unfair to do it. And like you said, if you're going to ban Russia, there's reasons to ban all the countries you name. There's a reason to ban us. There's reasons to ban, you know, a lot of countries throughout the, throughout Africa and the Middle East and – and uh, the Americas and Europe. So I think they should be allowed back. And I think I'd throw off it, but I think tennis players should, the, t- the Russian tennis players should be able to look at the screen and see their flag. I mean, you're allowing them to play. So just put their flag on the, on the screen and understand that not all Russians agree with what they're doing. So that, that's my take on it. And I'm going to continue to, to, to stand on that take because I think it's, uh, just let them play it, you know. Um, yeah. So Inter's running through Italy. So, do you think the league's over now? I think the league was over after ninety minutes, but I think it can be close. I think there can be drama. I think there can be different things that potentially make it closer. Um, but do I think there's a possibility that they're not going to win the league? I don't. And like I said before, just get rid of the club if they don't win the league. Because, yes, they're only a few points clear. I think they're up to five now. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think they're so much better than the second-best team. It's not, you know, it's not even close. Um, and of the top, you know, let's say 10 players in the league, I bet Inter have seven of them. <laughs> so I, I just think there's – them not winning the league would be – there's no excuse for that. If they don't win the Champions League, you know, it happens. The knockout competition. But to not win the league over 38 games, I think, would be uh, ridiculous. They just beat the team that they always lose to today against Lazio. They were uh, – Hotaro um, um, scored again. Um, the most goals in a calendar year in Inter history. Um, he's he's going to pass the card any minute now. He's got two goals, two more goals, and he will, he will move up to number eighth on the all-time score list which is kind of cool because he played alongside a card and now he's about to break his record. Um, and I, I thought about this earlier. I think there's a possibility that on his pace that he's at, he could touch the, the 36 goal record. I don't know if it's going to happen for sure. Um, but I, I think there's a chance, but even if you look at those seasons with uh, mobile who had 34, I think, and you had, uh, um, he who had 36, 
Both of those years, you could have argued another person was the best player in the league. And the Immobile year, Dabala was the best player in the year. And um, ironically, Immobile had an argument against Higuain when he had the 36th, and so did. Um, there's a few other ones. But I think this season, from an individual perspective, on top of the success they're having on the pitch, because I think there's no, but, there's no shot for anyone else to win player of the season. It's literally between Lataro Martinez and his reflection in the mirror because there's a there's an enormous gap between himself and everyone else. And last year I thought that uh, Kavicha had the it was the most one sided player of the season thing. This year it's even it's even wider. So I think I mean he's got 15 league goals. The second most has is Giroud with eight, um, and the penalty taker for Inter is Hakan Chanalu. So he's not even taking penalties and he has 15 goals this season. So as long as he's there and delivering, I don't think there's anybody who can really come close. It's going to be basically who's getting second place to, you know, to quote the, the, the great Larry Bird. Yeah. Um, I do got to go back on the uh, rush thing one more time. I have a point to make. Go ahead. So obviously living in St. Louis, you know, you know, my love and affinity for hockey, right? Yeah. Well, the Blues have several Russian players, and mm-hmm. every time they announce the starting lineup, they announce where they're from. And the Blues, ever since the war has started, because they know people are proud to be where they're from, they'll announce that the player is from Russia. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just, I think we just need to show respect to athletes who have nothing to do with war, and will also like us want the war to end and stop punishing them. For something, for something that they did not do or order to do. Yeah, this is this is partly the reason I thought Zinchenko. What's his name from uh, from Arsenal? Zinchenko. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah, I think the, the comments he made on Piers Morgan in the summer, he should have been suspended for half the season because of it. So that's that's another reason why I I so oppose. I, I have such a um, not kind um, view of him. After that, you know, after he said, he said, and um, yeah, I mean, you should be proud of your country. You can say you you can say I'm proud to be Russian, and also say, but this, this, and this is messed up. Yeah. You know, you should be. But it's like me saying I'm proud to be an American, but the fact that we took away abortion rights from women is really fucked up. Exactly. Both things can be true. I can be proud that I'm from this country, but also realize that we make mistakes. Yeah, in the U.S., I mean, it's different because. It's like if you're proud to be American, there's a somehow bad person, and I don't agree with that at all. You know, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad about every single place. Um, I, I don't want to get too political, but I'm proud to be Romanian. But I think um, the uh, the legal system in in that country is is corrupt um, beyond belief. But there's also all these great things about the country. You know, so I can be proud yeah. of something. And also say, this is messed up. This is messed up. So yeah. if that's the case for for the, the, the everyday person, then the Russians should be able to say, I'm from Russia. Be proud of Russia, but I don't agree with what what's going on. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So what about the USA kit for PSG? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna circle back to that. Um, I think she might start a trend that will eviscerate, uh, not eviscerate, but but will um, 
eviscerate college soccer for elite players. Um, I saw her. I saw her. Um, I guess I'll roll up here. She. Uh, we lost a tough one. First loss we've had this season, but you know, the PSG women's side is great. They had lost their first two games in that group. They couldn't. They could not allow us to come to the come to the park to France and beat them. Um, that's another cool thing. They play their games in the men's stadium, which is cool. And for us, we can't play in the Olympic until we make the quarterfinals because <laughs> we've only we've only played there once. But um, yeah, obviously it was, it was a great game. Uh, PSG, uh, a lot of I mean, for a portion of the game. They were very difficult to deal with. We had our moments. They had their moments. They had more moments than we did, and they cashed in on theirs in the way we we did not. Um, But there's this kid, Corbin Albert. Um, She's made one appearance on uh, on the national team. Um, She is 20 years old. Um, She she, so after high school, whatever she um she uh, um what's the word? Agreed to join. What's the, the Committed, right? Committed, committed to um to Notre Dame. She played two, she played a freshman season and sophomore season, twenty eight goals in forty four games, and then before her junior season, PSG off basically came in for her, and she so she foregoed her her junior and senior season to go play professionally, and I love this because obviously I'm not not against people getting their education, but I love this. Because it, it shows how important, um, you know, opportunities like that are, and a lot of you know we we we've mentioned this a few times the Jordan Morris thing from many years ago, where he could have signed and played in Germany, and decided to stay home and and live at home. Um, now there's nothing wrong with that, but I like this direction that it's going because uh, Julie Rosa, who was with Canada, went to play Juventus after Texas. There's a lot of players from uh, the, the from Canada that are going to Europe, and I think the fact that she's she was perfectly willing to to forego her final two seasons to play for PSG is a huge move. And ironically, she's the youngest player on the national team. She has the most sense from a business decision perspective. Now there are better players than her on the team, but there, the other players on the U.S. team are not making the decisions at 25, at 20, at 21, 22, 26, 32, that she is yeah. she, she made at 19. Now, she started the game, too. She, it's not like she um, she's just sitting on the bench. She's getting opportunities. She played great against Roma. I believe she had uh, – she put forth the through ball that um, – the initial pass. Because uh, on, on PSG's second goal, they passed it to, like – yeah, several different people before scoring, but she was a part of the goal, the, the, the second goal that they scored. Um, 15 appearances. She hasn't scored yet, but if we watch her play, she has all the tools needed to become a, a, an elite player, and I think that with Emma Hayes coming in, she will be a part of that team, a, a new player that comes in, and I think that she, uh, she has the tool, and the fact that she understands the importance of playing in the Champions League at the top level will only do positive things for the people that come up. Um, I mean, if, if you have to go the college route and no one's coming and knocking on your door, asking for you to play for, for a big team or professional team, I think that's perfectly fine. But for the elite players, they should be wanting to, they should be going to college to, uh, to basically launch them into a professional contract. 
And I, I think, uh, I, th I just find her story very fascinating. And I think uh, she has the potential to be a really big time player for the U.S. for, for a long time. And when she's more sort of regularly being picked by the U.S., we're going to see Cindy, uh, not, that's not Cindy Spring, I meant, I meant um, Sophia Smith um, and Trinity Rodman be around her more often. And hopefully she will uh, spread the, the message of playing in Europe is important, stuff like that. Not that she has to say anything um, regularly, but when she shows up on, 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 at the camps and, and she doesn't know anybody and she tells, that, she tells them that she was at, uh, at, at Notre Dame and she, she got rid of her last two seasons to play for PSG, I hope that message kind of conveys to more of, the, more of the team. But anyway, I thought her performance was really good. And I think she's going to be a crucial part, at least not at least upcoming in the next couple of years with this new um, new U.S. team. All right, who's your darky of the week? Um, let's see, darky of the week. Um, uh, I didn't watch the game, but I saw Man City lost to or, or drew to Crystal Palace. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah, that, um, that has to be darky of the week. The Pep Guardiola got masterclass by Roy Hodgson. Seventy-six-year-old Roy Hodgson's masterclass Pep Guardiola. Yeah, I mean, Lazio are nineteen points from the top of the league when they finished second last season. That's also pretty funny. We're pretty bad. To, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you go with this, but I think that uh, Man City dropping actually Liverpool's Liverpool has this out too. Uh, Thirty-two shots, no goals. I don't yeah. care that man. I don't. I don't care that Man United parked the bus. It, it's like, yeah, what did you want them to do? Push and, and press Liverpool at Anfield? It's just so funny that people are like criticizing Man United for, for doing the only thing that they possibly could to get them any, any results, and they got it. So I don't know why people are complaining about that. But to, to have as much of the ball they did, as many that they did, and to not get one goal out of 32 shots, they 12 corners, Man United had zero. And you still can't close the deal. I think it's pretty, uh, it's pretty bad. And obviously, Union Berlin uh, decided to start losing again, so that's unfortunate. So I say it's Man City and uh, Liverpool. All right. Well, that'll do it. Do it for this week. Um, we'll uh, we'll we'll hopefully get up an episode next week. But as you all know, it's uh, Christmas time coming up. So if not next week, definitely the following week. And we look forward. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you again really soon.